All right. Week one is done, and week two is right around the corner. Folks, we are now in football season. We had some upsets. If you want to call week one upsets, we had some shockers. And yes, I am here to complain about the Jacksonville Jaguars after week one. That will happen. But can we just enjoy for a second that you were able to sit down on Sunday afternoon and watch meaningful football for the first time since February. It was a beautiful sight to sight. I changed my ringtone to the NFL Fox jingle because I'm that hyped up. I could confirm. He definitely did do that. Sick. So week two is right here. We have episode 30 right upon us. We are hitting you with rapid reactions of every single game that took place Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. We are then going to dive deep into two games. We are going to dive deep into the Browns-Chiefs game, and we are going to dive into the Monday night thriller between the Ravens and the Raiders. And then in segment three, John and I are going to go give you another round of fantasy sleepers and busts with the professor because PSP hit on five out of six sleepers and busts in week one. Let's go. And then it's going to be week two of our game picks. Get yourself ready. Week two is right around the corner. I want you to get loose. Because Perfect Spiral is about to roll up into your queue. Hit the tape. You play to win the game. All right, we are back and we are ready. John, oh, God. What a, what a play on words there just now. When did you just turn into like... I'm getting more comfortable. You are. You are. I'm getting there more was, comfortable. There was some man. nice like... It was something going on there. I, I'm, I'm getting more comfortable. We're on episode 30. Episode 30. Craziness. But I'm all, I'm here, I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm all for it. I am Joe Miglio. My co-host, John McCarthy, is right here. I am here. And we have a very, very special uh, episode. This is the first time we're doing a recap of an actual NFL season. Yeah, this is our... So this is officially our first season doing this. Yeah, really. So, yeah. like, this is this is awesome. Um, I wanted to remind everybody to please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe uh, to Perfect Spiral Podcast on any platform you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Google are the main ones, as well as other low lower grade like Deezer, Stitcher, Buzzsprout, anywhere you get your podcast. You guys have been fantastic. We have seen, and John, we have seen a major spike uh, in the in the content from uh, basically fantasy football season and this past weekend, it skyrocketed. Yeah, it was insane. Like we, you know, we're always looking to see where we can get better, and like, you know, trying to see what 
what people like and you know stuff like that just to take into account because it's important and like we want it we want our listeners to enjoy it right, right. So yeah, of course when we saw what was going on man between the twitter engagement uh the tiktok engagement and just some of the numbers man it was amazing thank you guys so much it's it's been i texted joe i'm like joe this is this is crazy this is getting crazy and so. listen two guys that just started to do this for fun and now it's starting to gain a little traction it's really nice so uh thank you all please keep it up and uh, we'll keep if you if you keep helping us out, we will keep giving you better and better content each and every week. John, you want to get into it right week now? Week one, just give me an overall review of what you thought about week one in general. So I thought week one actually, you know, what's funny is I think week one started off a little slow. Okay, I think we we were watching we watched the one o'clock slate together. So we did. It, it was it definitely started off a little slow. Everybody's getting the juices out. Everybody's getting getting loose, getting going. Remember, they're not playing preseason. Yeah, right a lot now. of these guys aren't playing in the preseason. And you know, coming off of that Thursday night game, the Thursday night game between oh, the Bucks and the Cowboys, was very fan, good game, very good game came down to the wire. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, it was nice. And then it just started to get better and better and better and better. And then it just took off. And then with Sunday night, seeing Stafford. That that first game in SoFi Stadium and Stafford just looked incredible, right? Um, and then we get to the Monday Night Thriller. So week one was just week one was awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, what we're gonna do here first is we're just gonna do a rapid recap of all the week one games. We're not gonna we're gonna skip the Browns Chiefs and we're gonna skip the Ravens Raiders game because we're gonna go into that in more detail in segment two. But let's, John, let, I'm gonna I'm, let's go. Uh, I'm gonna give you a few here. Just give me like a, a quick, oh, a quick nugget about what you thought about the game, right? So I'm gonna give you, um, let's go quick. Let's go Thursday night. Yes, Patriot, uh, Buccaneers, Cowboys, thirty-one twenty-nine, Bucks. So Brady looks like Brady, right? Um, a couple of little errors from him that are a little uncharacteristic, but you know what, man? I'm gonna tell you one thing. Dak threw the ball fifty-eight times. Mm. Dak looked really good. As yeah. the game went on, he looked really comfortable, and that Dallas defense is improved. I think so, too. Yes. I think he, people, They did lose DeMarcus Lawrence, though. DeMarcus Lawrence has a broken foot. We did. I found that out today. DeMarcus Lawrence has a broken foot. He's probably going to miss about a month, month and a half of the yeah. season, which is not ideal. No. But to your point, I think, uh, I think yeah. I mean, listen, I think early on you could see Dak was a little rusty, but little as, as, as uh, per the course. But I think I, – I did think the defense was a little bit better. They got stops when they needed to, you know – but at the end of the game, I mean, how many, how many defenses are going to st- stop Tom Brady in that, in that, you know, in a one minute drill? Not, it's you not, can. It's not possible. It's, it's it's difficult to do. But I think Dallas is much improved. But with Dallas, um, it's always about the week after, right? Yep. It's it's always about the week after. It's always about like, okay, they played well, and whether they won or they lost, and they played well, they always follow it up with a thud. So now going into Sunday against a Charger team who walked, and we'll get to that game next. Um, who walked into Washington and got a win over the football team? I think that's a uh, that that's a really it's a big a tough matchup. It's a really big challenge for them. Let's go into that. What did you think of the Chargers uh, and the football team game? Chargers came out on top, twenty to sixteen. In uh, I don't, is it still called FedEx Field? I don't even know. If I it think is, it but, is it. I'm yeah. not even sure. I think it is. Um, so a little nugget from that game. Uh, Herbert, I thought looked really good against a really tough defense. Shout out to Rochelon Slater. Oh my God, he was fantastic! Unbelievable. I don't think Chase Young even had a single pressure that game. Um, it was it was a dogfight to the end. I mean, unfortunately, Washington lost Fitzpatrick for an undisclosed amount of time, right. around eight weeks. Um, and it's a Taylor Heineke show now. But listen, I think Washington. I think it was expected that they lost this game. 
Um, really, you thought so? I thought so. Yeah. See, I, 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 if I was a betting man, I would have, I would have thought. Well, if Fitz was healthy the whole game. I would have, I would have thought Washington would have won. I well, really yeah. did. I think it would have been a little closer. Yeah. I mean, it was close, but I think it would have gone down even more to the wire okay. than it already did. Because you know, maybe it was a little more high scoring. You know, so they go right, back right. and forth a little more. But it was definitely a defensive slugfest. And listen, those are the, those are the couple nuggets. But uh, Rachel Slater, man, I know, <sighs> I know, missed. I know. Um, let me give you one more and then you can give me a couple and we'll go back and forth. Gotcha. I, I got to ask, I need a nugget on the Vikings Bengals game. Uh, Bengals win 27, 24 in overtime. Dalvin cook was down. We, we watched that together live. Right. I thought he was down. I think that if a ass cheek is down, isn't that the rule? Like you're down. Yes. I, from what I understand, as long as any body part, that's not the hand or the foot that is down is considered down by contact. Okay. So, but the problem was that there was not enough evidence to show from all the angles that they saw on the surface tablet. It looked like to show that he was down. Right. The one thing I will say about this Vikings team, um, I think that the offensive line is still not as much improved as we thought. Um, I think that an issue going forward is going to be the mobility of Kirk cousins. And yeah, I, saw, I agree. There were times where he just he just didn't get rid of the football. No, he just didn't get rid of the football. And the problem is that, man, when you look at the stat sheet and you're like, huh, he threw for 320 yards. He had 100 and something passer rating, threw for two touchdowns. I get that. And that's what he does. What The problem with him does not show up in the stat sheet. The problem with him is that he's a statue in the pocket who essentially does not move. And when the pocket closes and it collapses... It collapses. This team would be much better off with a mobile quarterback considering the pieces they have around them. So that's my one takeaway. I think the defense was caught sleeping at times. I think Patrick Peterson got murdered on some routes. Yeah, you saw that clip about Jamar, what Jamar chased it to him? Yeah, that was like, that wasn't just like a slight beat. That was like yeah. he was lost. So mm-hmm. he sent them to the shadow realm. That's my little nugget on that. And I mean, as far as the Bengals go, Burrow, listen, looked a little rusty. They got through it. Mixon, your boy, look good. And Jamar Chase, man, I guess he can catch the football. Yeah, I'll go. I'll hit a couple here. Let's okay. let me hit the. Um, let me go first with the Broncos Giants game here in our own backyard. Uh, Broncos win twenty seven to thirteen over the Giants in MetLife Stadium. Couple things. Denver's defense looked. Well, let me let me preface. Denver's rush defense looked. Insane. Uh, Von Miller looks like he's 100% back. Uh, little Nugget, they did that without Bradley Chubb. Yeah, <laughs> so, Bradley Chubb was inactive. Uh, that was interesting. Um, another thing for the Giants, the offensive line is not better. Um, and yes, the stats and the metrics are better. I did see a couple of tweets about that. But if you watch that game, the offensive line was not good. Um, Saquon Barkley is not 100%. Clearly not, and that's a problem. Uh, he's not 100%, which I think is an indictment on the training staff, personally. Um, and Daniel Jones is still making the same mistakes. I mean, I was watching a game with a, I was watching that game with a friend on Sunday, and you know, uh, we watched the Jaguar game together, and we watched the Giant game. And he said, you know, Daniel Jones is making the same mistakes that I just watched Trevor Lawrence make. And he said the difference is that Trevor Lawrence was his first game in the NFL. Daniel Jones is a 30-year pro. And I think that's the main difference is Daniel Jones is still making rookie mistakes in year three. And I know it's only one week, but they're coming up tomorrow night and they're, fa- and they're facing a Washington team who's got an arguably better defense than Denver. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what to expect, but really impressed with Teddy Bridgewater. Really sucks that Jerry Judy got hurt. He's going to be out for the next couple of months. Um, 
But I think Denver's for, I mean, I know it's one week, and we'll see what happens in week two against Jacksonville, but uh, early returns are good for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, we, we like Denver going yeah. into the season. So um, Let me go to uh, Green Bay and New Orleans, Oof. where a complete shocker, 38-3 to New Orleans, um, first, obviously everyone keeps talking about it. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to add fuel to the fire a little bit. Aaron Rodgers just looks, looked completely disinterested in that game on Sunday. And I'm not saying that he's going to do that all year, but I think he doesn't give a shit about whether they win or lose. Um, and you know, Joe, not to cut you off. I just want to say something, you know what, you know, you know where I started to agree, where I agree with you on that and where like it opened my eyes to wow he it just doesn't seem like he gives a shit when he threw that ball deep right to the scene. I know he never it, does he that. He never does that. It was so uncharacteristic of him to just kind of like eh fuck it chuck it up like he never does that. But it's not, you know what it is too it's like in the when he said that he felt like he had nothing left to prove and that's why he contemplated retirement. If you feel like you have nothing left to prove then what are you playing for? Exactly. What are you playing for besides like the money yeah. or yourself? He just didn't. He seemed you know? so out of it. He did man. seem so out of it. So we'll see how that carries over. They play Monday night against the Lions. For the Saints, I mean, business as usual for the Saints, you know, like new quarterback, same results. Uh, Jameis Winston threw for 148 yards and five of those went for uh, five, uh, five of his 14 or 15 completions went for touchdowns. Um, he had an immaculate game. The The, the deep ball was great. They didn't run they ran the ball effectively, but I felt like they were definitely more of a threat in the passing game. And um, you know, Deontay Harris had a nice game and Marquez Callaway, as I you know, we thought was gonna get shut out by Alexander. He did. Juwan Johnson. Uh Juwan Johnson came out of nowhere, made a couple of nice plays. But I think I mean, you know, like I said, week one, I'm not trying to overreact, but very nice game by the Saints. Lasik Wilson, man. And uh I'll cover one more before we go back to you. All right. I'm going to I'm going to just take 60 seconds and I'm going to talk about what happened on Sunday in 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 Houston. <laughs> um as the Texans uh manhandled the Jaguars 37 to 21 and folks it wasn't even that close. Um I'm not going to get on Trevor Lawrence because this is his first NFL game. He threw for 300 yards and he threw for three touchdowns. He also, he also threw three picks, two of them which were correctable and the third one which which I don't know what the hell he was doing, but uh, two of those were definitely correctable mistakes. And I think there were some definite, definite, I have to take a sip of water here. Uh, there were some definite um, learning curves there. I think he was nervous for sure. Of course. What I can't understand, and this is nothing against the Houston Texans organization. They came out ready to play. They had a sound game plan uh, and they executed it well. Totally great. Good job by them. To be as unprepared as you were for that game after practicing for two months, to have a 12 men in the huddle penalty, to have four holding penalties in the first half, to have about what seemed like 30,000 illegal formation penalties in the first half of that game is inexcusable. I'm sorry. Can't happen. Getting beat on deep balls the same way they got beat on deep balls in the damn preseason game. I mean... Christ, I know we're supposed to be bad, but good Lord. One game? One game and you have Jaguar fans wanting to jump off of the bridge in, the, in, in Duval County. That's all it took was one game. 
Now, get, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people. I, I, one game is one game. Regardless if it, the Packers just lost 38-3. to We just spoke about it. So anything could happen. Okay? But it's the unforced errors and it's the, it, it's the, it's the self-mistakes that drive me nuts, John. Yeah. It's the self. You know what, too? The play calling was wrong. The play calling was horrific. And I, I liked what they did in the past game, per se. I liked the play calls. But when you run the ball five times with James Robinson and Carlos Hyde gets more carries than James Robinson, what are we doing? Why? Why? I know. Why? God, I hope they beat Denver Sunday, but I feel like it's not going to happen. Can I ask you one question in regards to the Jaguars? Quick? Talk to me. Do you think Urban Meyer's taking that USC job? Stop. John, <laughs> come on, man. Oh, God. The people that think this guy is so gonna, stupid. The people that think this dude's going to jump ship after one game. I mean, are, are you dumb? You know what's funny, though? Are real, you dumb? I, I know. I just I want to say one thing before we move on from them. I think that the media wants nothing but this guy to fail. Absolutely. Oh, they definitely I, want him to fail because the, he is... A guy that comes off as an asshole. Yeah, body language is bad. He comes off as an asshole, and people want him to fail. You know, it is when people have a lot of success. I mean, think think about it in the sense of the New York Yankees, right? People love when the Yankees fail. Why? Because they win so much. So they 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 want him. They want to take him off this pedestal that he apparently is on. They want to bring him down to earth a little bit. That's why people hate Alabama. That's why he brings up. That's why people hate the Patriots. He brought himself down to earth. He went to a team that was one in fifteen. Yeah, last and I year. think so they're going to struggle this year. Yeah. But whatever. Um, all right, let me go to cut back to you. Let's go to your uh, your favorite new quarterback, Dolphins seventeen, Patriots sixteen. What's your thoughts there? I think that if uh, Damian Harris doesn't fumble the ball with three minutes left, the Patriots win that game. I thought Mac Jones looked unbelievable, and I think Tua left little to be desired. I feel like the scouting report on him is what it is. You don't see that first read. He's chucking it up for grabs. Do you think that he can improve? Tua? Yes. No. You think he is what he is? I think he is what he is. I listen. I think that he showed more mobility now. And listen, I was in on Tua in the preseason. I was in on Tua pre preseason. Yeah. And I saw him in the preseason. I was so out on him, but he was a little more mobile. Obviously, I mean, you granted, you got to remember last year he was coming off a hip surgery. I think that this year he looked more mobile, but right. he definitely is a little. It makes sense why they were in on Deshaun Watson. Yeah. You know? Okay. But Mac Jones, man, look great. Let's go to uh, let's go to Detroit, where the Niners take took out the Lions forty one thirty three, and what was almost an amazing Lions comeback. That game should not have been that close. No, it should, that should not, not have been. been that close. And honestly, give credit where credit's due to Detroit, man. That that game was supposed to be an absolute. They broke absolute, some kneecaps. They were eating kneecaps at one point. That <laughs> that should have been an absolute, absolute, absolute blowout, and it 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 wasn't. And the fact that the 49ers let them get back into that game, and Goff, you know what? Not for nothing, man. I'm going to say it. Goff looked pretty decent. And they, that twin-headed running attack that they have ain't bad, but they have no receivers. So, Can so I get tough. one comment on Brandon Ayuk? Um, no, because I'm tired <laughs> of talking about Brandon Ayuk. Um, I'm going to fist fight Kyle Shanahan. I swear to God, I started my lineup over Jamar chase in one league and I lost by almost just the exact amount of points that Jamar chase would have given me. So thank you so much, Kyle Shanahan. I really appreciate you. <laughs> Let's go on to Carolina where the jets lost to the Panthers 19 to 14. Give me a little bit there. Not impressed by Zach Wilson at all, but I don't think the play calling really suited him. Tough loss on Makai back then. Tough loss. 
No run game. Tevin Coleman looked like trash. They didn't get Michael Carter involved. Corey Davis had a hell of a day. Yes, he did. Thank you. Thank you. I like I like me some Corey Davis. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm going to slightly disagree with you on Zach Wilson. I think he had a pretty decent day considering what he what the hand that he was dealt. Yeah, he was he was dealt a tough hand. But in that that first half, you definitely saw a little bit of a. He was a little shaky. Yeah, I mean, he he had, he had to get used to the game. Maybe he's a little nervous. Yeah, but Sam Darnold, man, Sam Darnold actually looked pretty good, and that Panthers team actually looked solid. Well, we'll see how they. We'll uh, see. Yeah, it's one, and they're going against the Jets. It's one game. Yeah. They they were expected to win that one. Uh, I'm going to take one. I'm going to go to Tennessee where the the Cardinals absolutely uh, demolished the Titans, much to my delight, uh, 38 to 13. Um, Kyler Murray looked more comfortable in this game than I think he's ever looked in two seasons in the NFL. Yeah. You see that play where he was just running and then just ran out of a sack and then just threw like a 20-yard pass. Down the field. That was the best I saw him play. It, he just looked so good. Chandler Jones looked like a man possessed. Five sacks. Um, and not for nothing. You know, can I tell you the most, the most uh, amazing thing about that game? Hmm. Derrick Henry did nothing against that Cardinal running defense. Zero. Nothing. And uh, she mean he got stuffed like three times at the goal line. I, when I, does that ever happen? I, I think. Uh, you know, I think it's the uh, first game for the Titans without Arthur Smith calling the shots. Uh, and I think you saw a little bit of that there. Also, Julio got r- ripped by his new head coach for the 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Had a couple of drops, only had three catches for 29 yards. So was not impressed by the Titans at all. Uh, they have a tough matchup next week, too, against the, uh, against the Seahawks. It doesn't get any easier for Tennessee. No. Um, I am going to then go to Atlanta, where the Eagles absolutely dom- uh, dominated the Falcons, thirty-two to six. My dominated. only takeaway from that game is the Falcons. We are what we th- what they we thought they were. Uh, they are an awful football team. I don't think uh, that was anything that was too surprising. Um, but they are pretty bad. They may be the worst. They, um, they, I, I had them as being the worst team in the league this year when we did our predictions last mm-hmm. week. Uh, I, I, I'm, I stand by that right now. I think they're going to be pretty awful. Um, and Jalen Hurts played well. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think that this game was more about Atlanta than it was about Philly. I want to see Philly do it against a good team first. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, and then the last game, and I'll before we pass over to you, Steelers Bills. Steelers walk into Buffalo and win twenty three to sixteen. Um, Josh Allen. Did not look great. Uh, we talked about last week about how that Steeler defense was excellent against the pass last year, and uh, they lived up to the billing there, I think. And the Steelers won in all three phases. They won on defense. They won on special teams when they got that blocked punt, returned back Huge. for a touchdown. Uh, and they won on offense. When Ben needed to make a play, he did. Uh, the only thing I would like to see, I'd like and Najee Harris played 100% of the snaps uh, on offense, but he didn't do that much. So I'd like to see him get a little bit more involved in the pass game in I week agree. two. Uh, as for the Bills, listen, I think they got the uh, they got a little uh, it was it was a little bit of a trap game for them. I think I think they were um listen, the Bills still a very good football team. I think they're going to come back. I think they're going to walk all over Miami in week 2. Uh but um the one know, thing that worries me about the Bills Joe, not to cut you off. No, talk to me. The run game is just non-existent. Well, yeah, it's not. Um and it has been the way it has it's been that way for a couple of years now. Their best rusher is Josh Allen. Uh, so when you play a team that defends well against the run running quarterback like Pittsburgh does, 
um, I think they're going to struggle. Yeah, uh, it's going to be hard. And I think they're going to. I think they're going to until they get a running attack or a running back that could do something. Uh, I like Devin Singletary, but he's not a three down back. Uh, he's a complimentary back, I think, at best. So uh, that's that's that. Um, got a couple more here. We only have. We actually have three more. So I'll give you two, and I'll take. Actually, we only have we only have two more. So uh, I'll give you one, and I'll take the last one. I'll give you Seattle um, going into Indianapolis and winning twenty eight to sixteen. What are your thoughts there? I think you said it best um, when you put it on the Twitter. Which, by the way, shout out if you guys want to check out the Twitter. We are doing play by play of most of the games. Yeah, we 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 do a we're doing a lot. The Twitter is popping right now, so you want, <laughs> you might want to go to that at PSP Pod. All right, so. I think you said it best. I think Russ cooked. He did Russ things. The team looked great. They were firing on all cylinders. And Carson Wentz and that offensive line suddenly not what we thought it was. Yeah, I mean, listen, they uh, looking at the numbers, I think Carson had a decent game himself. But it's just, you know, a lot of dink and dunk. I, don't, I, I didn't watch the game that much. But from what I could see, they didn't take a lot of shots down the field. They have trouble in that secondary um, too, man. On, and on Russell Wilson, yeah, that's I was just about to say. That secondary did not look good for Indianapolis. Um uh, and I, you know, I think uh, they talk. Russ went deep a lot, and you know who they got coming into their building next week? The L.A. Rams. Yeah. <laughs> who are gonna get to now? As the L.A. Rams on Sunday Night Football in the first game in SoFi with fans, uh, defeated the Chicago Bears thirty-four to fourteen. Everybody wanted fireworks, and we got fireworks. And Matthew Stafford was electric. Oh, he was wow. amazing. Um, he threw the deep ball with accuracy. Uh, they ran the ball when they needed to towards the end of the game. Uh, their defense. One thing I'm going to say about the Rams, their defense. Do you notice how many of those defenders fly to the ball to make a tackle? I was just going to tell you, it Joe. is incredible. You know, incredible. What, you know what I like most about the defense now? So they said it on the broadcast, and I actually wanted to point this out. I wanted to highlight this. So one of the big things that they changed on defense is that Ramsey is almost like a floater now. Yeah. He's not as much in man coverage. So what he told the coaching staff was that he wanted to float around. He wanted to be basically like a ball hawk because he was getting bored, nobody throwing his way. He's not as engaged on defense. Now they move him around. They put him everywhere. Mm. And... He, how many plays did he make? That? He was like on he. I, it felt like he was at every tackle that was on the line of scrimmage. He was unreal he and was like excellent. There's a reason he's the best corner in football. There's a reason <laughs> he's an absolute beast. And listen, I Stafford man, that was the best I've seen Stafford. I can't even tell you how long. Yeah, he looked great. And the one, the one, the one shining star for the Bears, I think, was David Montgomery. He looked fantastic, unbelievable. It was really, really good. Picked up where he left off last year. Um, Andy Dalton didn't play bad, but I think that offense is what it is it, with him at the, with him at the quarterback position. That is what you're going to get out of the Chicago bears offense every week. Allen Robinson is limited. Uh, you know, David Montgomery is the only, in my op, he's the only must start every week on that offense until, until fields is the quarterback until fields come in. And that includes Allen Robinson. Well, that was our rapid reaction for week one. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we are going to dive deep into the two, what in our opinion was the two most exciting games of the weekend, and that was the Browns and the Chiefs and then the Ravens 
and the Raiders. So stick with us and we will be right back on PSP. Hey y'all, Spencer Blinn, the producer for Perfect Spiral Podcast, and you're listening to my band Hollow Choir's new song, What You Want. Available now on Spotify. What you want. All right, guys, we're back here, and we are going to dive into the two games we didn't get to rapid react about. John, do you want let's do the early game first because I think yeah. we're going to talk about the later game a little bit more. Okay. The Browns and the Chiefs and the Browns uh walked into Arrowhead. They lost 33-29, but they got out to a they got out to a two touchdown lead, I believe, early. And then a couple of mistakes, a couple of this and that, and the Chiefs kind of got back in it, and I felt like if the Browns play sound football in that game, they kind of win that game. But I know you watched the game more than I did that game, so I'm curious to see what your what your thoughts were on that game. First, if you could give me what your thoughts on were the, with the Browns on that game. So what I like about the Browns, Joe, is that this is a good football team. This is a very good football team. And, like, we're talking about a team – like, listen, there's no moral victories in the NFL. There's no – you know, like, oh, you lost, but you really won. At the end of the day, listen, they went into Arrowhead, like you said, and they got off to a hot start. They played their game. They ran the football. They ran their play action. They knew what they were good at. Some of those holes, and by the way, they were the best-rated offensive line week one. And uh, I, I th- them, they, them and the Packers were the top two offensive lines last year, rated by PFF. And after the green after Green Bay lost Corey Lindsley, that solidified Cleveland as the best offensive line yeah. in football. But go ahead, continue. And, and David Bakhtiari. So right. Oh you, yes, yeah. he was hurt too. So when you look at the when you look at Cleveland, right, there was some gaping holes. Like like Corona truck like, those holes. Yeah, like me and you could have ran through that hole arm in arm and gained about ten yards. Yeah. And it, it was crazy. Chubb was hitting those holes. And but here's the problem. And this is this is where my issue is with Cleveland. When they play sound football, mm-hmm. they're hard to beat, especially on the road. I mean, granted, listen, they they had Kansas City on the ropes now twice. We're talking, you know, going to the AFC Championship game. We're talking now first game of the regular season. It was a game everybody wants to see. It's hard to play on Arrowhead, and you have them against the ropes. Like you said, they did not play at times. There was two plays in particular that got the Chiefs back in it. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, you can't give them the ball for two minutes. Like they just, it was like three minutes and 27 seconds and they scored like 14 points. It's like, it's scary. It's like, it's, it is, I'm saying it safely. It's the equivalent of the golden state warriors. You give the golden state warriors the ball, you make mistakes and they start hitting threes. It's over for you. It's over for you. We're talking about like prime golden state warriors. You get Patrick Mahomes a football with, it doesn't even matter if it's a minute and 50 seconds. It's over for you. That that punt that was that terrible punt that terrible snap, right? The botched punt. Yeah, the botched punt. There was that, and then I I just have to talk about it. That Baker Mayfield play. The what the the last play? The last play. I don't know if he was trying to get rid of the football or he was actually trying to make a pass. But at that point, honestly, just take the sack. You're throwing the ball going to the ground to a guy who's double covered. You didn't put enough arm on the ball to throw it out of bounds if that's what you were trying to do. So, like, making mental errors like that 
is going to kill this team on a team that is actually, and I'll go ahead and say it, they are a Super Bowl contender. They are 100. That was the one takeaway I got. They are 100% a Super Bowl contender. They, they are one of the top four or five best teams in the league. So you can't make mental errors like that and expect to win, especially when you're playing against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, who is time and time and time and time again, no matter the situation, can capitalize off of a team's errors to get back into the game and win the game because they have the greatest quarterback and they have the best quarterback in the league right now. And he is just talent-wise. Talent-wise, he is dominant. And that's that. Let me, I'm going to just, a couple of good things i like to see with the Browns. When it comes to the passing game, outside of that play by Baker Mayfield, he played pretty well. Take away that play, he was he goes 21 of 27 for 321 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Now, you would like to see him throw a passing touchdown in that game, but I did like the fact that he spread the ball pretty well. Um, no Brown had more than five catches, but... He had five to Landry, who led the team. He had three to Njoku. He had three to Anthony Schwartz. He had three to Kareem Hunt. He had three to Austin Hooper. Two went to Nick Chubb. So he definitely spread the ball around. And you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different Browns caught a pass on Sunday. So I think that was important. Um, They only ran the ball to Chubb and Hunt 21 times during that game. I I know they, they threw the ball 28 times and they ran the ball 21 times. They're a team that I would like them to see the ball. I would like to see them run the ball more. I would like to see more of a 50-50 split between the two between them. Mm-hmm. Because Chubb ran the ball for 15 yard 15 carries for 83 yards and two touchdowns. It's a it's a five and a half point clip per run. Uh same thing with Hunt. Hunt ran the ball six times for 33 yards at a five and a half at a five point five yards per carry clip. They, like you said before, they had gaping holes for their rushing attack. They had the ball late. I don't, I'm not sure if they had any timeouts, but I would have been okay with them. I know, like, when you're doing a two minute drill, you can really only pass the ball, but I would have been okay with them running the ball a couple of times, like out of the shotgun, like a draw or something. Mm-hmm. I would have been cool with that because. What you're doing is you're keeping the defense off balance and you're doing what you do best. Yes, you need a touchdown. Absolutely. 100% you need a touchdown. But, you know, I think, you know, maybe just to at least move the chains a little bit and kind of keep... They know what's coming, so you throw yeah. them off at a run. Maybe, maybe. I'm not saying crazy. I think they they definitely got away from the game script a little bit late. Well, yeah, I you think know? they felt the pressure a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they felt the pressure a little bit. And then I think that's a little bit of an issue for Baker is when there's stuff that's unscheduled. You know, I think that he obviously he's great on play action. He's great moving around outside the pocket. But I think when the game script starts to get away from him, I think that there's a little bit of a struggle there. They could have ran the ball more. I agree with you. And I think they should. I think they should run the ball 25, 30, 35 times a game because mm-hmm. that's what you're good at. So that's that's my takeaway from the Browns. I think that they are 100 percent a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think they 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 got to the quarterback a couple of different a couple of times. Um on Sunday, Miles Garrett got to the quarterback once he got a sack. Um, you know, they had uh they didn't have any interceptions, obviously, because Mahomes is throwing interceptions in September for whatever reason. Yeah, well his September stats are just bananas. It's, in, it's insane. Um but listen, they played they 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 played decently well against uh against and here's the thing. And here's the thing. When you're 
I'll, you, you know what my biggest gripe is with this game and with this, with this, with this, for the Browns, right? Because I think we're past the point of saying, oh, you know, the Browns played well, right? But they lost. They played well. No. You want to be the best, you got to win these types of games. I don't care if it's week one. I don't care if it's week eight. I don't care if it's week 17. You got to win these games, mm-hmm. right? And so far, they're 0 for 2 against the Chiefs. And, I, you know, there's a very high chance they'll play them again in the playoffs. They... When you play the Chiefs, right, and there's a select amount of teams like this, right, I feel like the Bucks are this team. And I feel like, you know, over the course of the year, the Rams are going to become a team like this. And maybe even like the, you know, the Cowboys. I, I don't know. But I'm just saying, when you play those guys, you want to keep those offenses off the field, mm-hmm. right? And you want to control the clock. The Chiefs had a higher time of possession than the Browns did. The Chiefs held the ball for 32 minutes and 47 seconds. The Browns held the ball for 27 minutes and 13 seconds. And the, and the, and the Browns are the better better run team, too. That's that can't happen if you're playing the Chiefs. Can not happen. You have to find a way to hold on to the ball longer if you want to. Be. You take... You flip that, and I guarantee you they beat Kansas City. They outgained them. They obviously uh, beat them in rushing yards. They outran them by 80 yards. They had more first downs. But the difference was the turn. They had two turnovers. Yeah. But um, crazy. They ran, they ran less plays than the Chiefs. That's insanity. Um, let's talk about the Chiefs for a minute. Uh, I'll I'll let you start. What do you want to say about Kansas City? I mean, they, it is what it is with them. It is what it is with them. I I just Patrick Mahomes is going to do what he wants. The one concern I have from this team is that there's still no run game. I feel like Clyde Edwards Hilaire is kind of lost. I'm glad you brought him up. I think he's just lost. I think he's not good. I'll I'll I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. I I'm, don't think he's good. I don't know what to make of him. Uh, he ran the ball 14 times for 43 yards for an average of 3.1 yards carry. It's not going to cut it. No. It's not going to cut it. And he's it. a non-factor in the passing game. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, too. He caught the ball three times for 29 yards. For a guy, folks, who was drafted in the first round and who was heralded as who was going to be the next... Brian Westbrook. Yeah. That's who was going to be a dual threat running back, and he was going to be a guy who could run for a hundred yards, and the next Christian McCaffrey, if you, if I may say so myself, he's been anything but. Yeah, and it's not like he's not involved in the offense. It's not like he's somebody that they actively look to pass the ball to or give the ball to. You have there's an argument to be made that you know. They want the ball in the hands more of McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson than they want the ball in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's hands. And to me, that's a problem, especially yeah. for a first-round draft pick. It is a problem. I'm not saying the Chiefs, listen, the Chiefs won, right? And they why they win? They won because of Patrick Mahomes, and they won because of Tyreek Hill, and they won because- That absurd pass. Which was, shouldn't get completed. The pass should not have been completed. No. That was a duck- that could have gotten picked off, but so the course. Mahomes completes the pass, whatever, they score, right? But the Hilaire thing is driving me nuts. It is driving It's driving me nuts too, though. It's I- driving me crazy because it's not like 
I don't know. I it's just like don't they think give him, he's good. It's like they give him his carries, and they're like, all right, we can forget about you now. It's just like he's not even it's a like part a, of the offense. It's like filling a quota. Exactly. It's like, all right, you want your 15 carries, your 15 carries. All right, there he is. Okay, we're not even going to think about him, look at him, throw to him, run with him. We're not going to do anything with Clyde Edwards. And listen, there was always this notion that there's always this notion that Andy Reid doesn't like to run the football, right? And everyone thought that was going to change when he got Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Andy Reid doesn't like to run the football. And why would you when you have this guy playing quarterback? But here's the thing, though. When Kareem Hunt was there, Kareem Hunt was a leading rusher in the league. Kareem Hunt is much better than Clyde Edwards. I know, but but the thing is, though, it's like there's certain guys that you that you that you that you make you make exceptions for. Yeah, you know, you don't at this point you're not making a you're not making a uh, an exception for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Another thing, uh, and this goes back to the Browns a little bit. What I don't understand about these teams is there are certain guys in the league you need to know at all times where they are, right? Yeah. How do you not know, especially in the red zone, where Travis Kelsey is at all times? That touchdown where they took the lead, Kelsey was wide open inside the 10. What are we doing? How is there not someone draped over him? Let someone else beat you. Can let I? Byron Pringle beat you. Let Demarcus. Let Clyde Edwards Hilaire beat you. Don't let Travis Kelsey beat you. Can I'm glad you brought that up. Tell now. me why he's wide open. I have no idea. And you know what's funny? I'm glad you brought that up. They drafted a player that is fully capable of covering him. Oh, uh, joke. Yes, Owusu Karamoa is fully capable of covering Travis Kelsey. I'm sure they brought him in for one of these main reasons because he can cover he can cover tight ends he can cover wide receivers and he can play linebacker he's all over the field he's just a specialist like put him on Kelsey I just I, you're right I don't know why and nobody can figure out where Travis Kelsey is you just forget you just that don't know. play he John he ran a simple curl route and there was nobody on him yeah like he was there was not three feet nobody was there. When, tra- when he turned around, he had room to run. To me, that's inexcusable. I agree. It's inexcusable. It's crazy. And in the red zone, he you know why he's the top threat in the red zone? Because Tyreek Hill doesn't have that much room to run. If he's not running, uh, hor- he's not running horizontally in that space. He's not taking a jet sweep. He's Nowhere near as much of a threat as Travis Kelsey And he's not is. mossing anybody in the red zone. Right. He's not big enough. So I just don't understand. I, I know. I get it too. The good things about the Chiefs, right? Let's talk about some of the good things. They did win the football game, right? They made plays when they needed to, right? Great teams make plays when they needed to. And they had a little bit of luck. The botch punt was definitely a little bit of luck, right? You know? Um, kill throw was a little but bit of luck. But I, I will say this. At the end of the game, when the Browns had the ball back and they were driving, that pass, Chris Jones took over the game in that second half for Kansas City. He was a man that could not be stopped, and he was in Baker's face on that last play when he made that piss-poor throw. Yep. There are certain guys on great teams that need to step up, and for now two years now, Chris Jones has been that guy for the Chiefs in the defensive line. And again, they won without Teron Matthew in the lineup on Sunday. Yeah, he was a he was illness scratch. So he he did not play Sunday. Uh, offensive line looked a lot better. Offensive line Chiefs. looked a lot better. Orlando Brown struggled a little bit, I think, uh, on, on the left side of that line. But you know, listen, 
when you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Tyreek Tyree Kill, I mean, this line from Tyreek Kill is banana. 11 catches on 15 targets for 197 yards and a touchdown. It's bananas. I, and Denzel Ward was covering him. Denzel, it's up on Denzel Ward. No, Denzel Ward's good. Stop it. Come on. He got, he got killed last year, too. Come on. He's good. Don't do that. Mm. He's good. Maybe he's not top five. But he's top 10. I think he's a far cry from what we saw in his rookie year, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> A couple injuries. It sets you back. That's what it is. The Browns next week go to their home. I apologize. They're home for Houston. Yeah. So they should win their first game of the year next week. The Chiefs play Baltimore. The Ravens on Sunday night football. And that is a phenomenal segue into us covering the second game of the week. Uh, and by far the best game of the weekend, which was Monday night. And that was the Raiders opening up Allegiant Stadium and defeating the Ravens 33 to 17 uh, to 27 in overtime. John, I cannot remember a more bizarre ending to the game that I saw on Monday night. I was glued to the television. I couldn't turn it off. I'm sitting up in bed and I'm just going... What is happening? You actually sent me a text with my full name, which never happens. And I was like, <laughs> you, you just were like, John McCartney. I'm like, Joseph. What is I, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I really couldn't. Are the are the Ravens the first team in the NFL history to lose twice in one game? So <laughs> I want to talk about the Ravens first in this game because I watched this game from start to finish. Yeah, you did. I caught it at the end. We talked about in the offseason about we did not know what the Ravens were. We didn't know if they got better or if they got worse or if they kept the status quo. And then over the course of the preseason, they lose J.K. Dobbins. Then they lose Gus Edwards. Then they lose Justice Hill. And then they lose Rashad Bateman. So injuries haven't been kind to Marcus them. Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters. Injuries have not been kind to them. But... For all intents and purposes, they're a better football team, I think, than the Raiders, even though they lost this game. I'm going to tell you something right now. Their offensive line was horrific on Monday night. And specifically their pass protection. They ran the ball effectively, because they always do. And Tyson Williams was very good. But I don't trust their offensive line. And... Lamar Jackson had a couple of nice passes in that game. The one he threw over the middle to Hollywood Brown was a very nice pass. Uh, The one he found on the run to Hollywood Brown in the end zone was a very nice pass. But there were way too many inaccurate passes for me in that game. Way too many. He changed his arm angle on a couple of those throws. Like he tried the sidearm on a couple of those, and it just didn't work. Uh, I, I... I'm not buying it, John. I'm not buying it. I, I There's something from this team that is missing, and I don't know what it is. I cannot put my finger on it. I can't either. But I watched that game, and they got out to an early lead, got out to a 14-0 lead 
right? And Tyson Williams ran the ball great. Then for some reason or another, John Harbaugh stopped using him in the second half. I don't know why. And he goes to Latavius Murray, who couldn't find a single hole. He had a couple of nice runs, but and he, had, he scored the touchdown. But I don't know why he went away from Tyson Williams for the whole half. You want to give him a breather? Sure. But, you know, I, I, it seems like they don't have any other receiving options outside of Hollywood Brown. I mean, the Raiders made a conscious effort to make sure that Mark Andrews wasn't a threat, right? And that's another thing. Mark Andrews was wide open on a seam route in that game, and Lamar missed him. He missed him. It was a walking touchdown, and he missed him. And those are the throws that you have to make. And Lamar had one nice run in that game, about a 30-yard run, but he fumbled the ball twice. What's that about? Lamar never fumbles the ball. Well, he did twice on Monday, and one of those fumbles lost him the game. Because he's looking to run before he could look to pass. I don't not like Lamar. I don't not like Lamar Jackson. I think he's a very good quarterback. But there is something missing from this team. I don't know what it is. Getting to the defensive side of the ball. They were not great. Not at all. They were not great. I didn't like what they did in the red zone. They were not good in the red zone. Their secondary wasn't great. Marlon Humphrey had a nice game, but Marlon Humphrey's awesome. The rest of the secondary did not have a good game. Their linebackers didn't have a good game. Their run defense had a nice game. but Patrick the, Queen was... Patrick m- Queen had a much better game than he had all of last season. Yeah, there was definitely improvement with Patrick Queen. But, John, they had ample opportunities to win this game. Another thing, and I should, the things are coming back to me now. You're up 14-7, to seven, okay, at the end of the first half, right? And I think I, I went off about this on the Twitter account. You had an opportunity, right? Now, you have Justin Tucker, who is the most accurate kicker in NFL history, okay? Not active, history. The most, ac- the most accurate kicker ever. And you have a fourth and one. It's about a 52-53 yard field goal. At closing minutes of the first half, John. It's 14 to 7. Mm-hmm. And you choose to go for it on fourth and one instead of kick the field goal, where you could have went up by two scores and go up 17-7. They choose to go for it. They don't get it. Then the then the 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 Raiders get the ball back and they hit a field goal as time expires to go into the half and make it 14 to 10. Completely different ball game. And it ended up costing them. It did. It really ended up costing them because if they go for that field goal and they make it because Tucker makes everything he kicks, it's 17 7 and oh my God, the Raiders are down 10 and holy shit, it's not an overtime game at the end of the it's not it doesn't become an overtime game. Now, can I just add some things to what Yeah, you're I, I want I want because I know you have a lot to say about the Ravens too. So those are my gripes about Baltimore. What do you have? A, what do you think about them? Well, while, while it's fresh in my mind in regards to the Justin Tucker kick, the problem is that the Ravens are notoriously known for being a very analytical team. They have a whole analytics department. John Harbaugh loves analytics for some reason, and I feel like in sports, analytics does nothing but get you in trouble, especially when you think that going for it on fourth and one is better than kicking an automatic three points. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, now, in regards to Lamar Jackson, I want to say a few things. Um, Before you do that, I just wanted, he was 19 of 30 for 235 yards and one touchdown, and he took three sacks. Um, 
19 of 30 is a 63 63% completion rate, which isn't awful, but it's not bad. You're hovering you're 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 near the 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 the, the 60% completion rate, which is not great in today's NFL. Yeah. So he there's one thing I noticed about him in this game that I didn't notice lost three fumbles much. in this game too. Yeah, the fumbling was crazy. But did you notice that he held onto the ball in the yes. pocket for an obscenely long amount of time? I think he was looking to I think he was trying too hard at certain points. Yeah, like it's like he's he's standing in the pocket. And we're talking about the most mobile quarterback in the NFL probably. He's just kind of standing there. And like the pocket's closing around him and it's like ah fuck it, I'm just going to take the sack. It it I agree with you in the sense of like, I don't know what is wrong with this team. I don't know what it's missing. I don't know if Lamar is the guy. I don't, I don't know. And, and what's crazy too, is that he's negotiating a possibly record breaking contract by himself in the middle of the season while also trying to win football games. That's weird to me. He doesn't have an agent. Um, and I just, I just don't know what it is. I mean, Hollywood looked good. He did look good. You're, nice job with the sleeper pick. Yeah, very good. I, I mean, I like them this way. Sammy Watkins at times looked pretty decent. He had four for 96, Sammy Watkins. Yeah, he Most looked Most of okay. that came on a 50-yard pass. Yeah, that one huge pass. But, man, there is something off about this team that I just can't I can't wrap my finger I know, finger it's weird, around. right? It's weird. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? He, I don't, I don't like what I'm seeing from Lamar. I, I don't like this whole, he doesn't want to run. I feel like it's in his head too much. I feel like he's in his head where it's just like I'm a I'm not a running back. I'm a quarterback. I'm not a running back. I'm a quarterback. I'm not a running back. I'm a quarterback. Where it's like he forces himself to stay in the pocket too long. He's forcing throws that he knows he's not going to make. When like, all right, dude, if you want to just take off, just run. And people are going to say too, oh, Joe, well, he ran the ball twelve times for eighty six yards. He ran the ball sometimes because he had to because his pocket collapsed. Oh, he, he wasn't looking to run. Some no, of those times. and some of those runs were electric. Yeah, but it's just like. I don't know. You're in the red zone, and instead of just like taking off when you know you could score, you're forcing a ball into double coverage. Like it's just these weird things Listen, where it's like, here's it, what this I'm doesn't gonna, make sense. Here's to me. what I'm gonna say. Okay, I don't like the fact that people within maybe the Ravens organization or fans or people like us try to tell Lamar Jackson what type of quarterback he should be. I don't like that. My man is a running first quarterback. Like, if you were playing Madden and you get to pick the type of quarterback you want to be, he's a scrambler. That's what he is. He's a scrambling quarterback. Why Why are we... Why is he not having... Why is he not running the ball 20 times a game? Why are they running more read option? I, fucking great question. Why aren't they running more quarterback draw? I Maybe they don't want to get him hurt. But at the same time, this is what he is. This is what you signed up for. This is the type of quarterback he is. This is why he was successful in college. That's why he's an MVP. When he won the MVP, he ran the ball for a thousand yards. Yeah, he was absolutely dominant. Uh, why did we move away from that, John? That's what I'm saying. It's in, There's something going on within that organization or it's within his head that he feels like he needs to be this pocket quarterback when, let's be completely honest, Joe, let, let's call let's call it what it is. He's, he's not that. No, he's, he's not, not going to sit accurate. in the pocket. He's not accurate enough to be that. He's not like, and he's, are we ready to say he's Michael Vick? He is Michael Vick. He's, he's a better Michael Vick. Which, Joe, that's not a bad thing. But at the same time, we can't Michael make Vick it. went to the NFC title. <laughs> we can't make it like we can't we can't try to turn Patrick Mahomes into Peyton Manning. 
Right. And I think that's the problem is that a lot of these, a lot of these coaches and this organization, I feel like almost wants them to be Peyton Manning. And you know what? I don't want to hear about this whole, well, oh, we don't want to run because we don't want to get him hurt. All right. Then you might as well not even fucking play him because that's his whole point. And yeah, he's going to sign a massive extension. He's going to break records because not for nothing. You pay the man. He deserves it. Because if you don't pay him, somebody's paying Lamar Jackson. Right. He is absolutely, he's a superstar. But it's just, we need to just, just let him play his game. And I feel like what ended up happening in this game is that they got away from his game. And it's just, I don't, it's the same offensive court. It's still Greg Roman. He ran the ball 12 times for 86 yards at a 7.2 yards per carry clip. Gus Bradley, though, on the defensive side of the ball for, for the Raiders has had his number, though. He likes to drop six into coverage. And he did this again in the Tennessee game. And he did this in the Charger game. He was a defensive coordinator for both. and Or he was the head coach for one and he was a defensive coordinator for the other. And he dropped six into coverage. And Lamar struggled with that. So maybe it's just an offshoot. But from what I saw, like you said, I don't like it. I, I'm not sure. You want to get to the Raiders? Because honestly, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. So let's get to the Raiders. Um, and... Again, there were things I didn't like and things that I did like about the Raiders, right? I think I liked the fact that um, Derek uh, Derek Carr just continues to defy the odds. He went 34 of 56 for 435 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, uh, three sack, took three sacks. Um, we're going to get to the running game in a minute because I think that's important. Um, first thing, though, Darren Waller. 19 targets for Darren Waller. Nobody else in the Raiders had more than five. Yeah, he, he's That's forcing in, it. They were in the first half, he was forcing the ball to Darren Waller. It's not until he got other receivers involved on the offensive side of the football that he started. But Darren Waller still went 10 for 105 and a touchdown. He's an animal. Yeah, he's, he's so good. You can't cover him. He's too big. And I want to. I, we're going to go over the end of the game because I want to go through that whole sequence. But the running game. Josh Jacobs had ten carries for thirty-four yards, scored twice in the red zone, which was nice. But they only ran the ball sixteen times with running backs, uh, and they ran the ball combined sixteen times for forty-five yards, which is not great. And then it comes out into the game that Josh Jacobs is hurt. He's got. Apparently everything is injured. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. If you didn't see that on Roto, you got to check that out. It literally says Josh Jacobs limited or did not with, practice with everything. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so everything. Everything's a designation. So that's great. Um, but, I mean, the the fears that we had about Josh Jacobs in, in the preseason are, are true. Yeah. They used... Jacobs and Drake at like almost a 50-50 clip. Uh, Fantasy-wise, that's not ideal. No. Drake handled most of the passing downs, he, probably almost all of them. Yeah, he Drake had five catches for 59 yards on five targets. Jacobs had two targets and one catch for six yards. So that's a disparity there. It's rough. Jacobs, when he when he was running the ball, though, some of those cuts, man. Sheesh. Yeah, they were great, but then he had to come out of the game. <laughs> the my biggest, the thing I was most impressed about with, with 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 Vegas was the defense, specifically the defensive line. Unreal. Uh, Max Crosby is a budding star in this league, I think. I agree. Um, and they were in Lamar's face all night long. Yannick Ngakwe. Also got hurt. Oh. Wow. Yeah. 
They lost Gerald McCoy too. They no. lost Gerald McCoy. They lost Rondell Good for the season, who's an offensive lineman. So they didn't. They left that game with injuries. But for all the shit we've given the Raiders over the course of this podcast, they came out and they played very, very well. I think on Monday night, uh, defensively, like I said, I liked what I saw from them. I think that. Uh, the defensive line was great. I think the secondary was actually pretty good considering uh, they don't have a lot of names on there. But, um, you know, I, I think that uh, I think they, they had they had some guys. Denzel Perryman made a couple of big plays. Uh, Jonathan Abram had a pass deflection in that game. Max Crosby had two ta- two sacks, two tackles for loss uh, and six tackles in general. Um, Trevon Morig had five tackles in that game, rookie out of TCU. Um, you know, Carl Nassib, uh, late in the overtime had the forced fumble that led to the game winning touchdown. So they got a really nice collection. And Casey Hayward, who was a, to- who was a cornerback on the Chargers, then Denver came into this Vegas team and he actually played really well yesterday. He's not far removed from a top 10 corner in this league. Casey Hayward had a nice game. So I think uh I think the Raiders had a did a pretty nice job on Monday um Monday night and taking care of business. Anything you would like to add? Do you want to talk about some negatives on the Raiders? Talk or? to me. Yeah, talk to me about some negatives. Man, Henry Ruggs. Oh. Um he is dreadful to watch. <laughs> I So I watched him. He was without a catch for almost the first three quarters. And it's not like he wasn't targeted. Like he, he dropped some balls like, and I feel like he's just super limited. And I feel like there's, there is a game for him that they don't use him for. Like he's not, I feel like they wanted to be Tyree Kill and he's not. I feel like they wanted to be this like offensive specialist like a Debo Samuel and he's not. I just he's small. John. He's so small and he just he can't he has trouble catching the ball. He reminds me almost like Darius Hayward Bay when I, I think he had, Oh god, don't say that. <laughs> That's a blast from the past, god damn. I mean, but tell me that it's not similar. The biggest thing I get from him is he doesn't create separation. No, and it it's very weird and you know one thing I will say about this receiving core is that it was only a matter of time before they got Brian Edwards involved. Brian Edwards should have been more involved last year. I mean, he's had two fantastic camps in a row. But is Brian Edwards good or is he just like a guy? That's what I can't figure out. I think that he's actually decent. I feel like he's he could catch a contested ball. He does get separation and he's big. He's a big receiver. They exclusively went to him in the overtime and to to get to the overtime. Yeah, and like he showed up, and like I feel like that's a testament to him, you know. So that's a couple of things. I mean, Derek Carr. I feel like for somebody that's gotten shit the last three years, that he's not the guy, but he continues to be the guy. I feel like he looked really good. He did fine. I I like Derek. He's serviceable. I like him. Serviceable makes the throws. He makes some nice plays when he needs to. I think he says all the right things. I think. He loves the he loves the franchise. He loves the fans. He's a guy that's like ingrained. He's ingrained in the franchise. He loves what he does. Does, does he give you some like Stafford vibes? I was ju- John. I was just going to say he's a poor man's Matthew Stafford. He gives me Stafford vibes. Was ju- I swear to God, I was just going to say that. 
He's literally Matthew Stafford 2.0. Yeah, like but it, not as good. Not as good, but I feel like in the right situation, he could be like he could excel. Yeah. You know, like he just he seems like that guy. I mean, we're talking about a guy who almost won an MVP. I know. So I mean, like you that that talking about someone who almost won MVP, that's a big deal. You know? So let's quickly recap how this game ended because if you missed it, <laughs> you I you could take the reins on this because the game was just drunk. So the game was drunk and high. At the so same time. The, the game went into the went, went into the third quarter at fourteen to ten. Couple scores here and there. It ended up being 24-24 in the fourth quarter. Ravens got the ball with a couple of minutes left. They drove down the field. Justin Tucker nails a field goal. Twenty seven twenty four. There's literally 48 seconds left in this game, okay? They marched it down as much as they could. The Raiders had no timeouts, okay? Raiders get the ball back with on the 25 or 20-yard line. Carr throws the first pass to Brian Edwards complete, stops the clock. Next play, it was a first down. He throws a bullet, and I mean a dart over the middle to Brian Edwards. Uh, and this got them across the 50. He runs up. He spikes it. Then he throws another pass to Brian Edwards. And this is the ineptitude, I felt like, of the Ravens, right? All you had to do was make a stop. One stop. You stop one of those passes, this game never gets to overtime. They couldn't do it. And Carr went to the same guy on all three plays. Clearly, they were targeting someone. They were targeting somebody on that defense. Don't know who, but they were targeting somebody on that defense. Carlson comes out with five seconds left and hits a 55-yard field goal to send it to OT. Awesome stuff. Great one-minute drive by Derek Carr. Also, mind you, not to cut you off, um, the Ravens had a timeout to ice the kicker, and they didn't ice him. I know. Well, I See, now, I would have used that timeout to figure out why the hell Brian Edwards was getting the ball every down, every time. Regardless, one of, the, one of the two reasons they didn't use it. So, wasted timeout. So, they go to overtime, and oh, uh, I was going to say Oakland. Vegas gets the ball first, right? And at this point, you're like, wow, okay, they actually might win this game. They get the ball first. They're driving down the field. And then Carr throws the would-be touchdown pass to Brian Edwards, right, where he outstretches to the end zone. And it looks like the ref rules rules him in. Stadium's going crazy. Players come out of the field. They start dapping each other up. They start saying, yo, what's up? Giving hugs, right? Even, like, John Harbaugh comes out. Gruden never moved from the sideline. I don't know if you noticed that. He never moved from the sideline because they showed the replay and he was definitely down. There was no debate about it. He was 100% down. Yeah, he was down. And, you know, it was like weird, right? Because all the play, I felt like the players had no idea what was happening during that process. The players had no clue what was going on. Yeah. Like I said, they're on the field. They're saying what's up to each other. They're catching up on what they're going to have for dinner and all this other <laughs> crap. Just having a grand old time. <clears throat> right? And then all of a sudden, not even the ref, the loudspeaker. The guy in the loudspeaker is like, hey, after review, <coughs> after review, the play, he's ruled down by contact to one. So they, because there were so many guys in the field, they had to have the guy in the loudspeaker make the announcement because the ref wouldn't have any control. So they finally get back to the sidelines, and the Raiders are now on the one-inch yard line, John. The one-inch yard line. And for everyone who's listening, John and I were texting each other back and forth at this point. We're going back and forth. Yeah, we're going nonstop. We're going back and forth. Our group chat in the league is going nonstop. So 
First play, they run the ball at Jacobs, doesn't get in. Okay, fine. Fair. No problem. Second and goal from the one, right? <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. They should have ran the ball on every play, right? They may have had that option to run the ball on every play. Alex Leatherwood, the first-round draft pick out of Alabama, <laughs> does the most asinine thing you could do when actually false starts. <laughs> the most penalized player in college last year. Actually false starts. <clears throat> and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this would, ha- this would happen to the Raiders. <laughs> they were going to blow it. John, they did blow it. They did. Second down, Carr makes the pass incomplete. Now it's starting. You're like, oh my god, they're gonna go from scoring it to getting a field goal and giving the Ravens another chance here. And as soon as that even crosses your mind, the third down play goes through the hands of I think it was Hunter Renfro. No, I apologize. It was Willie Sneed. Goes through the hands of Willie Sneed, off of the helmet of a Raven defender and into the arms of another one for an interception. And the look on Carr's face was like, are you kidding? Did this really just happen? Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, everyone thought the game was over. Yeah, I thought it was done. Everyone thought the game, there's no way they come back from this. Not going to happen. Then, to some somehow, some way, Lamar fumbles the ball in Raven territory. On a second down, I think, Carl Nassib made a great play. Lamar fumbles the ball. Raiders get the ball back. And here's the thing. Now the Raiders of the ball back, you're like, holy shit, this game is going, is, is, is like you said, bananas. It was, it's insane. It's going it's- back and forth. First down, they run a play. Second down, th- this was bizarre. They were in field goal range. They second down. I would have ran the ball a couple more times to get closer. The, the special teams unit had no idea that Gruden wanted them out on the field, so they're in a whole different area. They all run out on the field. They don't get there in time, and they get a delay game penalty. <laughs> and it's like, what the hell is happening? Yeah, like, what? Like this is such a Raiders first game in Allegiant Stadium. It's like in- insanity. And then the next play, the, Ra- the Ravens have their whole roster in the box, what it seemed like. So car audibles and they throw a touchdown to Zay Jones because there's nobody behind Marlon Wide Humphrey. open. There's nobody up high. And the game's over. <laughs> You're like, I'm sitting there. I was dumbfounded. I was like, what the hell did I just watch? No team should have won that game. Wild. Absolutely bananas. The Ravens, as we just mentioned, will play the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football in Baltimore, which should be a good game. Ravens are going to try to avoid going 0-2, which would be interesting. And then the Raiders will travel to Pittsburgh, where one of those two teams will be 2-0 after Sunday. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that in-depth segment of those two games. I thought that was really fun. I enjoyed that a lot. that was good. When we come back for our third and final segment, we are going to do our Fantasy Sleepers and Busts with John the Professor. And then our week two game picks before we head out of here. So stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, guys, and we're back here for segment number three. It is fantasy football time here on Perfect Spiral. If you listened to us last week and you listened to our sleepers and busts, you would know that we got five of six guys correct in week one. To recap, our sleepers last week were Jalen Hurts, Jamal Williams, Jamal Williams, 
and Hollywood Brown, who all had uh, top 10, I believe, fantasy, or maybe even top five uh, fantasy outputs for their respective positions. Uh, and then our bust, we went two of three. Josh Allen uh, was a bust. Um, Ezekiel Elliott was definitely a bust in week one. And the one that we did miss on was TJ Hawkinson, who actually had a very nice game for yeah, the Yeah, a solid game. John, week two. Big week. We got busts and we got sleepers. We're going to switch it up this week and I'm going to take the sleepers. Okay? Gotcha. This one was difficult because I think there's guys that I really, really liked here. And I think there are guys that like you would think that are that are playing. And you're like, eh, maybe, maybe not. I'm going to give you two names for quarterback. I'm going to give you one that I think you're going to be like, okay, that makes sense. I'm going to give you one that may not make a lot of sense. Okay? Okay. So my first quarterback sleeper of the week is actually a guy who you could probably stream this week. He's most likely not on any rosters, if I had to guess. And that is Taylor Heineke of the Washington football team. Wow, okay. Okay? Going against the Giants tomorrow night on Thursday Night Football in Washington, I believe. Yep, in Washington. Yeah, it's in Washington. And... uh just for 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 context, um, last week the Giants gave up seven, gave up a seventy nine percent completion clip uh, against the Denver Broncos. Didn't give up a ton of yards, but they did give up two touchdowns, um, and they gave up three plays of twenty yards or more for the uh, against Denver. Uh, we already mentioned that their secondary was not very good last week. We mentioned. Um, that their uh, their offense was not very good, so their defense was on the field a lot. I think Heineke and there, listen, John. There was an argument to be made last year that Taylor Heineke uh, was the best option that the football team had a quarterback, and he has a rapport with these guys already. With the and a lot of these options are returning, Antonio Gibson, obviously, and Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas, and all these guys are returning from last year. Uh, I think that Heineke could have a big night against the Giants. Um, I think the Giants are down on themselves a little bit after that week one loss to Denver. They really fell flat on their face a little bit. I could see something like a 285 yards, three touchdowns, one interception from Heineke on tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. That's what I think you could see. I could see that too. That's probably like a 20, 25 point performance in fantasy, give or take. Not bad at all. My other guy I'm going to talk about is somebody who you might laugh or you might, you know, say, oh, you know, and this is just a hunch. Okay. This is just a hunch. My other sleeper quarterback is Trevor Lawrence. That's interesting. Okay. No one in the world is picking the Jaguars to win on Sunday. No one. I'm not. And I'm a fan. But I will tell you this. The Denver run defense against the the Giants was excellent last week. Passing defense was pretty good too. Right? They gave up. Daniel Jones uh, went... 22 of 37. That's a 59.5% completion rate. 
But he threw for 220, 267 yards, and he threw for a touchdown, no interceptions, uh, with a long of 42, um, and three 20 plays or more. Three yard, three plays of 20 yards or more. I think without Bradley Roby in the, in the secondary for, for, for Denver on Sunday, who's now out, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have an opportunity here to go against, A, a rookie corner in Patrick Sertan, the second. Right, who had a decent game, but not a great game, and now an unknown on the other side of that, uh, the other side of that corner, right, against guys like Marvin Jones, who's a veteran, and DJ Chark. Jacksonville might be behind at some point in this game. Trevor Lawrence may put up big numbers in this game. Not saying it's a guarantee, but I'm saying if you have him on your roster and you don't love the quarterback you're starting, take a chance. Interesting. Maybe paid off here. Okay. All right. All right. You want to go for your quarterback bust? So I'm I'm gonna wait on my quarterback bust. I'm actually gonna give you my pass catching bust. Hmm. I'm gonna give you my wide receiver bust. And it's kind of funny coming from what you said just now. Okay. My wide receiver bust of the week is DJ Chark. <laughs> I wish I was kidding, but I just I, that's that's who I decided on. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I think that he's a bust. Okay. It seems like Bradley Chubb is going to play. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, you've already seen that your offensive line struggles. Shocking. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be under duress the entire game. And I think that DJ Chark, while he did have 12 targets last week, mm-hmm. which was awesome. I have him in fantasy. It's awesome. Um, I just don't feel like they're going to be able to get a lot going. Um, and I know, like you just said, you feel very strongly about Trevor Lawrence this week. But Not strongly. I just feel like there's an opportunity where he could be successful. There is an opportunity, but I just I don't think that the opportunities are going to be there for Chark, and if that makes sense. Well, I know I Urban Meyer has said on many occasions this week that they want to get LaVisca Chenault more involved in, in space. They want to run the ball more. Um, so I could definitely see what you're saying. I think he might be the third man on the totem pole this week. He definitely when he, it comes to receivers on that team, he very well can. Um, I'm going to give you also my running back bust of the week. Ooh, I like this. Talk to me. So it's tough. I'm actually between a couple of guys. I'm just going to do it because I feel like I need to. Yeah. I'm going to go Austin Ackler. Oh, my God, John. Um, It pains me. I have him in two leagues. But I'm gonna, no. I'm going to tell you why. I think he had a little bit of trouble getting going last week. It has um, nothing to do with the defense that he played? No, but I feel like he did have a little bit of trouble getting going. And I'll say this. Did you notice who is the most, one of the most picked up players in, in fantasy this week? Larry Roundtree. Larry Roundtree. I don't like that. I don't like that your backup running back is suddenly one of the most picked up players in in fantasy. And you know what? Like, I'm going to give you, a, real quick, Just I'm going to give everybody oh. a bonus. I'm going to give everybody a bonus running back bust. Bonus. 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 Elijah Mitchell. <laughs> Everybody's like putting all this fab money and, and rushing to waivers to pick him up. Granted, I'm, listen, I'm guilty. I put in a claim. I would just avoid the running backs on the 49ers because out of nowhere, like Jermichael Hasty could have like a 130 yard game. <laughs> I just, I would avoid it. I, I just, I'm not a fan of Elijah Mitchell this week. Granted, he could be the next James Robinson, as Matthew Barry's been saying. He could be. But I think that that offense is just so unpredictable week to week that it's a little tough. So I'm giving you Austin Eckler. I'm giving you DJ Chark. And I'm oh. giving you Elijah Mitchell. 
And my quarterback bust this week? You want my quarterback bust? No, we'll wait on that. I'll okay. do that last. Go ahead. I'll okay. give you my running back sleeper and my wide receiver sleeper. Gotcha. Go ahead. My running back sleeper I went back and forth on. I'm not going to give you two. I'm going to give you one. And the guy I'm going to give you, I really wanted to say Latavius Murray. Oof. But I'm not going to say Latavius Murray. All right. I'm going to go Ronald Jones. Wow. Yeah. I, I like that one. I'm going to go Rojo. Uh, the Falcons are a horrific football team. Okay. For context last week, the Eagles ran the ball 31 times for 173 yards uh, for a, a clip of 5.58. They had five rushes of 10 or more yards. That's absurd. That should not be the case, but it was. Um, and I think that Bruce Arians already came out and said that Ronald Jones is going to be starting this week at the doghouse. He is much more dynamic than Leonard Fournette. He catches the ball more than Leonard Fournette. I think they're going to split carries, but I think that Rojo will make more of his use of carries this week against Atlanta. I think that they're going to try to establish the run in this game because I think that when uh, when if they're running the ball effectively, Brady could use that play action and I think this is a week where you're going to see Mike Evans have a nice game. And I hate to say that because I'm going against him this week in fantasy, but I feel like he's going to have a nice game this week. So I'm going to go Ronald Jones. And then my pass catcher, this was tough because I had four four names here. But I'm going to go with one. I, I The four names that I had were Tim Patrick, Denver, okay. Tyler Boyd for the Bengals, and Mike Williams for the Chargers. I'm going to avoid those guys because I feel like the Denver the Denver offense is kind of uh jack of all trades, yeah. Russian roulette type of deal. A little bit. Um Mike Williams, you never know what you're going to get, so I don't know what's going on there. And Tyler Boyd, while I like, he was a distinct third man in targets on that team in week one. So I'm going to go with a name who was successful last week, and I feel like maybe able to be successful again because of something I noticed in the game that was played between the opponent he's playing this week, and that is Zach Pascal, wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. Okay. Zach Pascal had a 20-point game last week because he had two touchdowns, four catches for, I think, 45 yards and and two scores. Their opponent this week is the L.A. Rams. Okay. They're playing at home. They must win game. I think I shouldn't say must win game. It's not a must win game. But you never want to start a phone with two. Um the one thing that the Bears did successfully last week, outside of David Montgomery, was they were able to pass the ball over the middle for short down and distances last week. And if you watch the Rams on a consistent basis or you know someone who watches the Rams on a consistent basis like I do, the Rams give you the middle of the field consistently. The Rams will give the quarterback the middle of the field to throw the ball because they feel like their pass rushers can get to the quarterback fast enough where he can't get rid of the ball. So they leave the middle of the field open. Zach Pascal, I think, works effectively over the middle of the field. Michael Pittman said deep threat. They have Naeem Himes who catches the ball in the flat. 
right? They have uh, Mo Alley Cox and they have Jack Doyle, or their tight ends who go down the seam, and they have Zach Pascal catch the ball over the middle. I don't know if Zach Pascal is going to score twice again, but I think he's going to have a, lo- a boatload of targets on Sunday. And I think I could see Zach Pascal going for like eight for 90. I genuinely see, I could see him doing that on Sunday. So sneaky good flex play, I think. Zach Pascal, number 14 of the Indianapolis Colts. Wow, I like that. John, You have we have one more bust, the quarterback bust. All right, I have two names written down, but I'm not going with either one of them. I just changed my mind off the cuff right now. I'm going Matty Ice as a bust this week, a quarterback against Tampa Bay. Um, Matty Ice is on my list of sleepers. I'm so interested to see what you have to think about this. He So Matty, Matty Ice is interesting because last week he did not play very good. Um, and I'm just – give me a second. I'm just pulling up some stats here for Matty Ice. Matty Ice. I Also, shout out to the Sleeper app for being awesome at us finding stats. So <laughs> Matty Ice last week uh, had 6.3 fantasy points. Hell yeah, baby. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> so last year against Tampa Bay, all right, he had two, so- he had two okay games. I was going to say a stat line. He had 33 points. And then he had 24 points. He was like thir- 27 to 35 for 300 and then 29 to 44 for 265. I don't I don't think that that repeats itself this year with him. I feel like that team is in a world of hurt. Um, <laughs> and I just, I don't think their offensive line is very good. I feel like the, the, the Bucks are going to get after them. Um, I was going to, my other two busts I was going to say was Tom Brady only because I don't think he's truly a bust, but I just think the game script is going to move more towards a running attack this week. Like you were saying with Ronald Jones, Leonard right. Fournette. I, I not saying he would be a true bust, but just not scoring as many points as you would think. And then I was going to say Dak going into Chargers defense, but I was like, you know what? Dak looked solid last week. I'm not going to do that to him in week two. So I'm going with Matty Ice because I just, I, I have no faith in that offense. There is no run game there even to be desired. Um, and aside from Calvin Ridley, I mean... Where are we going with the ball? Kyle Pitts. He had one catch last week. He had one catch last week, and it felt like he was targeted like a million times. He was only targeted three times. So that made no sense to me. All right. Those are our fantasy keepers and busts. And before we go, it is time for Game Picks Week 2. If you paid attention last week, John went 3-2, and and I went 2-3. and both incorrectly guessing the Tampa Bay Dallas game. And, and wait, I got to plug something, Joe. Oh, talk to me. I got to plug the TikTok. Oh, talk to me about listen, Maddie. Listen, if you guys aren't following Perfect Spiral Podcast, I'm just double checking the TikTok handle because we have different handles on everything. It's actually Perfect Spiral Pod on the TikTok. My dog is doing weekly game picks. Okay. It's actually fantastic. She went one and two this week. She correctly picked the Bengals plus three, but got Buffalo wrong and Atlanta wrong. But I'm three and three and two, Joe. You're three and two. I'm two and three. Maddie's one and two. Okay. So that's where we're at so far. That's where we're at. We're going to pick five games again. But we are not going to be obligated to pick the uh, the Thursday night game this week. So you can pick any five games you want. Okay. One of them needs... To, you could pick more than one if you want to. But one of them needs to be an upset. One of them needs to be an upset. Okay. All right. So I'm going to pick... All right. So we're not talking about the... the Three games. Okay. So we're talking about an upset with the spread. Yes, with the spread. All right. So the first one that jumps out to me is I'm taking the Raiders plus five and a half. That's your upset special. That's my upset special. I don't okay. I think that is a, I think that's a John cl- is you could tell John is taking 
the bait for the Vegas Raiders this week. I'm taking the bait for the Vegas Raiders. I mean, they caught they they lost five and a half. Down. So do you think they went outright or they just covered the spread? I think they just covered the spread. Um, and then the other game I'm gonna take is I'm taking the Patriots minus five and a half against the Jets. Okay. I think that they cover that easily. Okay. Um, and then another game I'm gonna take is I hate to do this to my own team. <laughs> Actually, you know what? No. No, I'm not doing that. I'm taking Dallas plus three and a half. Whoa. I, I'm taking Dallas plus three and a half. I, I'm that's a shocker to me. The line shouldn't the Do you take them to win outright? Who, Dallas? Yeah. I would take them on the money line. I mean, what's their money line? Let me see. By the way, we are using FanDuel uh, Sportsbook for our lines, in case anybody is wondering. Um, their their money line is plus 164. The over-under for the game is 55 and a half. I would bet the over on that game. Yeah, that's why I'm saying I, I would take the plus three and a half on that. So, okay. So, so far, you got Dallas plus three and a half. You got New England minus five and a half. And you got uh, Vegas plus five and a half. Yes. Give, me, give me two more. Um. This is going to shock you. Okay. I'm going to take the Texans plus 12 and a half. Whoa. John is going for heat this week. That's an unbelievably high number. 12 and a half though? 12 and a half is crazy. You think the you think that the Texans are going to keep riding the high they get in week one? and, and, and you- I, think, I think they can put up some points, you know? Okay. And, and then the last game I'm going to take... So far, John's got three dogs this week. I do have three dogs, which, by the way, uh, underdogs were 11 and three against the spread last week. I know. Um, wow, I can't believe I'm going to say this, too. I'm going to take another dog here. No, John's going four dogs? I'm taking Detroit. Oh, no. Johnny's taking Detroit plus 11 and a half on Monday Night Football in Lambeau. I mean, listen. Love that. that team kept it close with Love San Francisco. That. And Green Bay did not look great. So you're catching a Green Bay team that came out flat-footed last week. You know? And Detroit's coming off of, like, I mean, I guess you could call that a moral victory because they did keep it kind of close. And a team that we thought was going to get absolutely steamrolled. So. Wow. They did lose Jeff Okuda, though, for the year. They did. So I'm ta- that, that's what I'm taking this week. I mean, I'm going to get I'm going to take a bath on it, but I feel like... <laughs> All right, that was interesting. I'm gonna do mine here now. Okay, so what's your upset special? You want me to start with the upset special? Yeah, because I gave you mine. So okay, my upset special is going to be okay. A couple things I like to shy away from when I do this stuff. I like to shy away from in division games. I don't like those. I don't like picking those. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go there. I think at, at some point here. But my upset special is going to be taking the. Philadelphia Eagles plus three and a half at home. Wow. Against the San Francisco 49ers. I like that. Okay. okay? I think that uh, the Jalen Hurts hype train is alive and well. Um, I think San Francisco, who just played at Detroit last week, has to go eat more, uh, more to the East Coast this week in Philadelphia uh, and play an Eagles fan base that's going to be rabid and ravaging. Um, I think the perfect medicine. For a 49er defensive line like the one they have is a mobile running quarterback, which is exactly what Philadelphia has. Um, 
And, you know, the Eagles ran the ball really well last week. They and uh, the Lions found success running the ball against the Diners last week. So I think that that could definitely be an upset. I had the Eagles to win that outright. Uh, another one I got this week, I got the L.A. Rams going into Indianapolis, minus three and a half and covering that spread. I picked the Rams last week to cover the minus seven and a half spread over Chicago. I like them again this week. Uh, way too many similarities for me between the Seahawks and Indianapolis. Uh, and the Seahawks and the Rams. Shane Waldron, who was a quarterback coach for the Rams last year, is now the OC for Seattle. And you could see he already implemented his offense into Seattle's offense last week where Russ just went down the field. Uh, we already saw that Matt Stafford likes to go down the field with this Rams offense. So I think it's going to be a lot of the same this week in Indianapolis, unfortunately, for the Colts. But I like the Rams minus three and a half. Um, I also, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it because you didn't. I'm taking the Cardinals minus three and a half at home over the Vikings. That to me, the how could I not pick Arizona the way that Kyler Murray played last week? How could I not do that? You're right. I agree. I was going to do it. How could I not do that, right? I mean, it's hard to pick against your team, but like at home, first game at home, back with the fans against the team in Minnesota, who, as you said, did not look great on the offensive line last week, did not look great in the secondary at all. Um, no Cam Dantzler and, uh, um, you know, I, just, I Patrick Peterson did not look great. I, I think it's a recipe for disaster from, from Minnesota. I agree with you. I agree. Um, I am also going to go Bucks minus 11 and a half in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, Such a big line. I don't, I'm sorry. They're at home. They're at home. I don't like going with big lines, but the Falcons are bad. They're really, really bad. I agree. Okay. Like they are truly pathetic. I think the Bucs win this game like 40 to 10. Your mouth to God's ears. Okay. And then the last game I'm going to take, I haven't, I've been going back and forth on this. I I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. God forgive me. I'm going to do it. I hate myself that I'm doing this. I'm taking the Jags plus six against the Broncos on Sunday. <laughs> Well, that was that was a great pod. <laughs> I need some good juju, man. I need something to root for. They got embarrassed last week in Houston. I could see Denver going completely stale and like this being like a 10 to 7 win for Jacksonville. They got embarrassed last week in Houston, okay? Embarrassed. Denver's on the week, on the road for the second week in a row to start the season. Jacksonville's not going to want to come out and they're not going to want to play as bad as they did in week one. They're going to be in front of their home fans for the first time this year. Trevor Lawrence is making his Jacksonville debut. Urban Myers making his Jacksonville debut. As much as the Jaguar fans were upset after this loss on Sunday, they're going to be that. And the best recipe for letting all that negative talk go away is to what, John? Win. Just win, baby. Just win. I think this may be the upset of the week. And not because they're my football team. I just think the things are lining up nicely for Jacksonville this week. Denver's riding a high. No Jerry Judy this week. No Bradley Roby. Bradley Chubb is still on the fence, but it looks like he might play. 
I think, like you said, John, I think it's going to be a defensive game. I think it could be like 14-10, 14-13 type of deal. But we'll see. I'm going to go Jags plus six in this game. Wow, he really did it. I did it. We're taking a bath on these picks. We are taking a bath this week. Folks, we've been out here for about, what, a John, hour and a half now? About an hour and 40 almost. Oh, my God. So we are going to let you go. It's been a long night. But um, we had fun today. We did. I liked this. It felt like it was a little bit more formal, but there's a, there's a lot to cover, man. There was a lot to cover. A lot to cover. It's going to be a, this is kind of the format we're going to work with for the rest of the season. I think we may change a couple of things up. May throw some extra segments in here and there and take some away. We'll let you know how it goes. But please give us your reactions. Tell us what you think of the episode. Let us know what you think about our game picks and our sleepers and busts because we got stuff coming at you all week and all season on Perfect Spiral. John, we you got anything? We live tweeting going down on the Twitter. Yes, all day at Sunday. PSP Pod. We are going to be live tweeting this week and in the middle of John coming home from Virginia <laughs> to celebrate Spencer's wedding. Congratulations, Spencer. Congratulations to our producer, Spencer, on your wedding day. Enjoy it, my friend. The one piece of advice I will give you is don't, Worry about anything the day of. You're not in control of it. So if you have a chance to listen to the end of this podcast before you get married, enjoy the day. That's all I got for you, pal. Enjoy the day. It's the greatest day of your life. You'll you'll remember it forever. So have have fun. Enjoy it. Congratulations from yours truly. And uh, I think that's all we got. That's all we got, man. That's all we got. I'll be on the road Friday afternoon. So. John will be on the road Friday afternoon, but we got a lot coming at you. We will hit you up on the Twitter this week. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week when we're recapping week two and looking ahead to week three, and hopefully a Viking and Jaguar win. Let's go. Talk to you guys later. Have a good night. <laughs>